this is Diana Lear on the Lives of Artists, and today we're talking to Anthony James. Welcome, Anthony. Hi, Diana. How are you doing today? Good. I wanted to find out more about you. Your work is so fascinating. I got to see it in person at Melissa Morgan Fine Art in Palm Desert. I wanted to find out how you started out as an artist, what you, you know, what your beginnings were and what led to what you're doing now, what you're doing with light and this sense of infinity. Well, I, I started off, um, I was born in Essex, England, and I just had a fascination with art. It was my main subject. It's what I got my most pleasure out of. So I was always into art. And Back then, I'd always, I'd be making, you know, constructs, and I'd be in, like, into design and art and building things and making sculptures. But and but like back when I was like a teenager, I would just do like endless paintings and drawings. Eventually, that led me to go to the Central Saint Martin's School of Art in London. And I was young when I went there. I was probably like about eighteen or so, and I graduated when I was twenty-three. And I done fine art painting. When you were a student and you were painting, what was the, uh, what were your subjects? Like, is the direction that you took when you made that departure totally different? Or were you doing sort of abstract, you know, uh, geometric shapes when you were painting? Well, you can't really escape yourself. You always, I feel like there was a lot of artists. You always don't, you don't need to see their signature to see it's theirs. So even if I think of really early, you know, paintings that I made when I was like 15, you know, and I, I lived quite near the River Thames in London, uh, in England, and I, w I would do like uh, seascapes. And I was at my mother's home, like recently, she lived in the same house, in the same neighborhood, and she had some of these uh, seascapes that I made as a teenager on her wall. And I looked at the color palette, the color palettes were exactly the same as what I use today. It, yeah. You know, it's kind of bizarre. I'm 48 now, I was 15 then, and the color palette is almost identical. Wow, that is interesting. Um, but during that course, and especially boutique, like university, college, they, it was very open. So if you were, if you're doing a painting course, you could do sculptures. And by the end of my degree, I was mostly making sculptures because I found it more fascinating and more challenging, and that's where I was putting my energy. Um, so after leaving St. Martin's, I moved to New York when I was like 23, and I just got completely infatuated with uh, minimalist artwork, formalist and minimalist artwork. I loved Donald Judd, and I, I loved the, the monumentality and the theatricality that he brought to minimalism. So that's where I was getting into this kind of minimalist object and really thinking about um, the materials that I'm using um, and, and how to manipulate light and space. Now, the sculptures that you see now that I'm making were basically developed in my New York years. It was like getting a minimalist object and then containing the light and space with inside and then also like putting a certain ambience in the room by the physical object. 
When you first started out with the sculpture, were you working with metal or just shapes, like a box? Um, it would be shapes like a box. Like back then, I would go, just go down to Canal Street on the, you know, downtown New York, and there would be like lots of hardware shops. So I'd be buying all of my materials out of hardware shops. And then sometimes, if I couldn't make something myself, you know, there'll be people making like air conditioning units. So if I couldn't weld something in steel myself, I would like, you know, ask them to make it literally in the street on Canal Street, what I needed. Um, and that was the beginning of my practice. Um, but yeah, I'd go down to the hardware shops on Canal Street, you know, like, like customize and modify, you know, the bits that I needed, bring it back to the studio, and I'd basically be putting like a box on the wall and then containing like a, a certain like narrative on the inside of, of, of the sculpture. Now what you're doing is actually quite complex because you're working with, you know, things that are um, powered by electric and lights and mirrors. They look like they would be pretty intensive to create. They are intensive to create, but when I think of the early days of where I started, you know, just putting these things together myself, I've... I remember the first time I put like the, the kind of two-way mirror that I'm known for now over like a like um like a specific object like a wooden box on the wall and then like I started putting like things that I'd find like birch trees inside so I, I so I could make an infinite forest then so the concepts were always there you can't really escape yourself you always have your signature moves as an artist but then how do I make that into like you know how can I make it so effortless for the viewer that they don't see like how this how this object has been made it's not even a it looks like it's been beamed in now from a different universe I don't want the the the, the viewer to like stop and think how did he make this I just want it to be so natural so, you know, like for maybe like 10 years, I just allowed myself to repeat, learn a lot about engineering, um, learn how to modify every aspect of my, my work. So, like every, of one of my new sculptures, nothing is bought, you know, everything is made. You know, even the clips inside the sculpture that hold everything together, they're all 3D printed. You know, even the tools that I use. I 3D print the tools so they're perfect for the job at hand. And then with that kind of commitment, you get something that seems effortless. And of course it's not. Right, of course. Um, it definitely gives the viewer, though, that sense of you look into it and you're just taken into infinity. It's just fascinating how you can start with something really simple and it just grows, it develops, and it takes you on a journey. So it's quite amazing where you've wound up. So you said you use 3D printing for your tools um, and your and the parts, which is, it's it just sounds like a lot of engineering. You might, you've had to, do you have a team that you work with at this stage, or are you still doing everything on your own? Uh, this is very much teamwork. Everything I make is in, 
in within my own studio. So I, I like, I, you know, so I, I still use the same like uh, the same way as I always approach my artwork. You know, I get experimental. I put something together just very loosely, just very simply. And if I see that there's any art to be had to make a great artwork out of this experiment, I allow myself to repeat. And then if I truly believe in the project, then I'll bring it to my team and then we'll work together on how to make a perfect um, sculpture. This is teamwork. There's a lot of, like, you know, I'm pretty good at welding, but believe me, like, welding to this capacity and inventing these welding techniques, that, that there's, a, there's a lot of very talented people touching one of these sculptures before we leave the studio. I can imagine. The Melissa Morgan Gallery has been the, the instrumental in supporting you, have they not? Oh, like, or Melissa and I, um, we, we talked about working together in like maybe 2010, but I was already like considering moving to Germany. And I didn't have any artwork back then that I, you know, that I could offer the gallery. But then, you know, like seven years later, we reinvestigated that conversation and started working together. And, you know, we basically worked as a team and putting it all over America and we got great response. People liked it. I'm sure it's incredibly rewarding to, to have your work out there where people can see it and you're getting an amazing response. How has it been for you handling the stress and doing major projects? I imagine you're incredibly busy. Yeah, I am incredibly busy, but it doesn't feel like hard work because, uh, you know, I, I work with the same integrity when I wasn't incredibly busy. You know, when you have a passion for something, it doesn't seem like hard work. And, you know, when I was less successful in my, you know, 20s and in my early 30s, um, you just, you, you turn up to the day and you do your best every day. And now it's, now it's evolved to a lot more responsibility, but it's my passion. How large are you working these days? Or what is like, how big are some of these installations? Well, on, on like a, on a one like, like sculpture, the biggest sculpture I've made is probably around about 12 feet diameter, but then I do other works that are installation-based, which are you know, the size of a room, you know, so that's a, that's a tricky one to answer, but like a, a very large sculpture will be about 12 feet high. A large installation could take up um, the whole gallery space of 3,000 square feet, it's just multiple objects. That's pretty big. What do you envision going forward as you continue to develop the work? Um, that I'm always making something new. And like I, I made a piece in the studio. Um, I just completed it literally last week. And it was based upon a drawing that I made about seven or eight years ago. And I found the drawing and then I put it into this new work. So it's just a continuous flow. It's not time specific. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I don't like to, like, you know, 
like plot and plan what I'm doing next. I, I do like that flow because whatever I have planned, usually, you know, God has a better plan for you. So you, 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 it's good to step out of your own, own way and just get into a flow, get into a flux and let the work evolve on its own journey. And some pieces may take years, you know, for completion. Like maybe some people, some people says that you enjoyed it. Melissa took a decade to get there. Yeah, wow. You know? it, yes, it seems like, you know, that these ideas that was just put together that year. But I've been working on these, like, these objects, these sculptures, these drawings for my career. And yeah. when they get realized, they get realized. So some, some pieces would have taken over 10 years to, to realize. That does not surprise me, um, looking at them, because anytime you see something that's extremely unique and distinctive, um, and there's, there's so much complexity because you're working with light and electricity, like that must add a whole other layer yeah, it, that's again a natural evolution in my work. I'd like I wasn't buying like artist materials from an art supply shop. I was going, I was using industrial materials right from the beginning. So I was already using a lot of technology, and then as as I found better technology, I put it into my work. What starts off quite simple with like fluorescent lights, then goes into highly mod modified uh, LEDs and like 65,000 completely addressable LEDs in a 40-inch sculpture. It gets very complex sometimes. But I've been working in industrial materials and, and especially digital since the beginning of my career. And like, you know, now I'm concentrating on some new pieces that are very digital, but it's just a natural evolution. Yeah. I've been doing this for decades. You just get better, you get better tools now. Yeah. When you started out, were you, were you just working with the, sh the, the objects and the shapes and then the light element came in later and the mirror element came in later? Like, as you're traveling down this path, new elements are, are coming up into your consciousness to, to get closer to what you're envisioning or what, what you're sensing. With, with the light elements, the light and the glass happen at the same time. You know, when I'm putting like a sculpture upon the wall, I'm like looking about how like, the light affects the sculpture and the shadows it creates and the ambience it puts in the, in the wall, uh, around the room. Then when I put the glass in front of, like say, a box-shaped sculpture that's hanging on the wall, now I'm containing something inside. Now I can manipulate like the lights and the shadows inside the sculpture and it's nothing to do with the outside of the room so that's when i started really like like playing with the ideas and having fun with the idea of like light and mirror it was just a very natural and easy way of containing the internal environment of the sculpture to create a certain narrative and emotional feeling regardless of where it's placed it's very inspiring. I saw that you're you're doing uh, something in Antarctica. You know, in like November of last year, uh, we installed like a substantial size. You know, maybe a, like a it's a, a sixty inch diameter sculpture in like, the space age pod 
in Antarctica. You know, so I, I do, but I believe that I'm the first artist ever to actually properly install a piece in Antarctica, making me the first artist on all seven continents. You know, so uh, that was quite something. And I went down to see it myself, all set up in in uh, in January. So I went to Antarctica to see it, and it's breathtaking. Who will get to see it? Um, it's in a camp called um, White Desert, and um, uh, these guys will bring you to their camp on a private aircraft from Cape Town and fly you to an ice runway where the camp is set up. So the artwork will be in this camp as long as the camp exists, and that could be a very long time. I hope it is, because it's, very, it's, a, it's an epic experience. And what exhibits do you have coming up in the future, in the next year or so? Um, next week, um, I've donated a piece that was in the movie Glass Onion. It was a Daniel Craig movie, uh, Knives Out, Glass Onion. And the piece that was in that movie, I've donated to the Amphar Khan uh, charity. Um, so I'm very excited about that. And I hope it does well for the charity. So uh, I do have other things, but they're not announced yet. Oh, I just want to say that I do have like uh, public exhibitions that are still up. I have a, a piece that I'm particularly fond of in Berkeley Square in London. It's one of the most beautiful squares in London. And I'm, and I'm very fond of that piece. Um, there's a, a nice sculpture just over the High Line in New York. Which um, cross street? It's what? Wh where on the High Line somebody could go see that? It's approximately about 21st Street. Okay. It's actually, got, it, it's actually on the deck of the Lantern Building, which is this beautiful, brutalist building um, right on the High Line. And it's on the deck of the Lantern Building, and people can view it from the High Line, and I believe. You can't really quote me on this one, I'm not sure, but it's about 21st Street. Okay, great. Um, there's a public installation in Dubai at the moment as well. So, And there's, there's one in, uh, in Los Angeles where, near where I live, and that's just off of uh, Rodeo Drive area. It's on Cannon, I believe. It's on Santa Monica and just off of Rodeo, and that's on public display. And so they're out there, they're around, they can be seen. And obviously there's a, there's, a, there's a bunch of sculptures in museums, like the Palm Springs Museum Springs to mind right now. Thank you so much for talking with me, and your work is really an inspiration. I wish you continued success. That's very kind of you. It's lovely to talk to you. Have a good afternoon. You too. Thank you, Anthony. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.